Welcome to today's off-season and a very good morning to wherever you're listening to us across the Resonate broadcast. A very good morning to listeners on 4SB, Kingaroy, 4VL, Charleville, 4ZR, Roma, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM, Mount Isa, 4GC, Charters Towers, the Hot Country Network and coming out of the studios of 4LG Longreach. Good, very good morning to Nick Backstrom and Scott Parkinson. What's he in the chair here with you this morning? And... Uh, Great news that sport is heading back to our Western Districts. That is good news, and I think that's the more important thing rather than what's on TV. Is that people actually participating. I think people are genuinely more excited about being able to get there and kick a ball, throw, use a tennis ball, what, uh, tennis yep. racket, whatever, than being able to sit at home and watch. Could not agree more. Watching sport is an awful experience. <laughs> Let's go out there and play it. <laughs> and, and pretty exciting around Longreach here. Some of the great organisations um, have got up and up and running again. And we've got a special guest in the studio here. This morning, uh, young Abby Watts. Now, you got to go dancing <laughs> yesterday. Dancing's back. Yeah, it is. And were there many kids there doing the dancing? No, only only me and Sienna. Now, did you have some new rules? You had to stand a fair bit apart? Yeah, we did. And keep your hands clean? Yeah. But, I mean, you love dancing, so it's great that you're back and at it. Yeah, it is. Thank you very much, Abby, for your time. Well and said, Abby. Well said. Now, boys, um, we, it'd be rude if we didn't touch on um, the NRL. And, Nick, uh, something that you formulated earlier was <laughs> the fact of these winning margins. Yeah, they're quite huge at the moment. Um, I haven't done quite, haven't done run the numbers for last night's games, but uh, they are looking at 23-something points as the average margin as mm. opposed to 12 before the break. So what do you make of that? Oh, I just think it's it's a quicker game. And some teams are obviously going to adjust early on and some teams aren't. And, and we knew that fitness would be an issue. It's almost like round one again. I mean, these players, mm. it's really showing up the teams, I suppose, who were better prepared in isolation to those that weren't. I think that will probably reduce as teams get more and more used to it. Mm. Obviously, tactics come into play. Melbourne got smashed. Um, well, mm. not smashed. It wasn't 59 points, but got beaten <laughs> convincingly last week and they've adjusted this week. So... As it goes on, I think that'll get closer. But from all reports, the fans are loving the faster game. I know it's been a lot more enjoyable to watch on TV. Um, up to a point. Up to a point. Mouth-watering show coming up over the next hour. And first oh. of all, the general manager for Thoroughbreds uh, for Racing Queensland, Simon Stouts, joins myself and uh, Mr. Rob Luck, a.k.a. the Godfather, to talk about the dissolving of the racing regions and participants, uh, horses, jockeys and the like, able to move throughout Queensland to um, visit all the tracks. He asks the big questions uh, regarding Battle of the Bush and Country Cups championships and also and how important the once-a-year clubs to, are to small communities and whether those meetings go ahead. I know the great key hunt in Ilfracombe and Nick, <laughs> well, we don't even talk about your time in Alpha. <laughs> Even even Alpha doesn't talk about the time in Alpha that now, Nick had. And then a friend of the show and regular guest, Jamie Sauer, joins to talk all things rugby league. Yeah, and interesting to hear his thoughts on, you know, the sides that he thought would do well and the sides that are kind of struggling a little bit at the moment and, and trying to give some hope to those fan bases who are suffering. Uh, young gun photographer Michael McAnally joins us for a very interesting chat. And, uh, you know, 23 years of age, he has travelled the globe. Yeah, he's only a young bloke and has done some amazing work. He continues to do amazing work. And it is good to chat to him about uh, that work and also about photography in general. And uh, just before 11 o'clock, we'll be back with the Raid of Origin. Sit back, gather round. This is the off-season. Back with today's off-season heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. I'm joined in the studio by a special guest, uh, Mr. Rob Luck. Good, uh, good morning. 
Uh, good morning to you, Watsi. Thanks for having me along uh, this morning. Now, uh, racing the um, the regions that we've had that have changed quite uh, quite a few times over the past four to eight weeks have now been dissolved, and Queensland has been opened up as it has been for travel for intrastate racing. Um, a great initiative from Racing Queensland, who have been working tirelessly uh, to keep racing going. Mm. And look, from the point of view of President of the Long Reach Jockey Club and on behalf of the Central West, we've got to thank uh, Racing Queensland and particularly Brendan Parnell and Simon Stout for all the hard work they did in making sure we got racing back in the Central West. And now we've, we're back at that stage, yep. see where the zones are no longer, we're one complete state. And uh, one of those names you mentioned uh, is the General Manager for Thoroughbred Racing, uh, Simon Stout, and he joins us on the line. Uh, how are you, Simon? I'm well, Watsi. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the uh, for the kudos there. It's uh, been a much, very much a team effort across the board, not only uh, with myself and the team at RQ, but also with the participants and with the race clubs. And uh, it's been a uh, uh, great to see that uh, everyone's been able to pull together and keep racing going during this time. And Simon, no doubt, uh, there's been a lot of sleepless nights and uh, long days to keep racing going. And um, you know, I know the participants are all very thankful. But uh, tell us a bit about the processes that you've had to go through. So we had, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of time spent from a lot of people at varying levels um, right throughout the organisation in terms of dealing with the clubs and working through how well, the logistics of what we needed to do. But but then more importantly, working with government and working hand-in-hand with the, the Chief Health Officer's office and ensuring that, you know, we were we were compliant with everything that, that they required from us. And the clubs, too, have had to work uh, quite hard and work to some strict guidelines to keep these race meetings going. And in the press release yesterday, we saw that uh, a small amount of patrons will now be allowed to, to go trackside. Um, what are some of the key factors there um, so these numbers can gradually keep increasing? Yeah, so the um, our clubs team will be working with all the clubs right around the state around developing COVID safe plan uh, for racing as we as we start to move out of the restricted period. Um, so that'll that'll develop over the next few weeks and uh, and then build out from there. But you know, certainly from a from a racing perspective, we won't be dropping off either in terms of um, ensuring that we maintain our high levels of biosecurity, which we've got in terms of temperature screening of all participants on course and and uh, and also and uh, also ensuring that we uh, adhere to all the social distancing requirements as well. So We're talking to Simon Stout from Racing Queensland, Rob. Just wondering, Simon, with the announcement with the patrons, with say at this stage the 20, and that could easily change in coming weeks, is a similar thing going to happen? Because I know you would expect uh, the restrictions to be probably more enforced. So you're protecting the industry participants when when 20 patrons can come on course. Yeah, so absolutely, Rob. We're going. We um, it's going to be very important that we maintain a, a strict delineation between. You know what is the entertainment or the patrons' own, and what is the participants' own? Because we said earlier, we've been lucky enough that that, that participants' own has been viewed as, as as an important or an integral, essential work site. You know, and, and, and allowed to continue because it provides um, you know a living to so many people, and and it's keeping them gainfully employed. So that that work site will will need to be protected um, as we start to bring patrons back on course but yes once again um, you know as I said our clubs team are going to be working uh, hand in hand with the chief health officer to put together um, 
some protocols by which the clubs will then be able to operate. I know that 20 is a very small number, Simon, but um, would your thinking uh, from RQ's perspective be that clubs would probably look firstly to having owners come on, having members come on and sponsors, depending on the uh, quantities involved? I know each, each track has, has uh, you know, each club has a slightly... Uh, they're certainly the three main groups that they're focusing on. Whether that order stays exactly the same for each of them is probably for each club to decide. And, of course, one area um, that has been lacking, as we know, in a country racetrack, bookmakers are an integral part of the race day. Uh, is it feasible to suggest that, in terms of those 20 patrons, to be able to get bookmakers back on course or a bookmaker stand back on course? I'd, yeah, I'd be... Uh, be 100% assured that that'll be part of the consideration as that, as that rolls forward. And also, um, one of the big, uh, big things too that's benefited every uh, industry participant is the, the way that uh, the prize money has been put out with TAB prize money, level prize money, with the $10,000 every race. Um, and before, this, uh, before COVID-19 came into place, there was a real move by Racing Queensland to have TAB and Sky meetings occurring across the state. It was really building momentum. Simon, can you see the TAB Sky meetings now that there's no restriction on the movement of people throughout the state? Is the possibility of that, I mean, budgets have been affected, I'm sure, but is the possibility of that coming back into play uh, in the near future? Well, from a, from a scheduling perspective, we, we anticipate that, that September will be, a, well, from the start of September, we'll be back, a back to normal um, situation, albeit we'll, we'll probably be missing a couple of our very, very much signature events like, like Birdsville. Simon, you did mention signature race meetings and um, two events that have really firmly stamped themselves on our country calendar is the Battle of the Bush and the Country Cups Challenge. Now, we've missed the Battle of the Bush's um, timeline for 2020. Looking forward to the end of the year, is there a possibility we may see uh, some series for the Bush Gallopers? Well, certainly uh, it is our intention to, to, to pick up and run the Country Cups Challenge and uh, we're currently in consultation with, uh, with the Country Racing Panel and also um, uh, the, the certain clubs um, around devising a, a series that would run alongside that, uh, that, would, uh, that would, would also give us an opportunity to showcase some of the some of the country gallopers, but I won't go too far into the detail on yeah. that because it's still very much in concept phase, but um, but we certainly have something in mind. Simon, probably the, the uh, clubs that have missed out the most this year have been the once-a-year clubs, uh, which is the big event in many towns and for the economies of those towns. Uh, given the, the, the remainder of the year, is it the likelihood that once-a-year clubs, will their calendar will be uh, probably revisited next year or is there an opportunity that some of them may pick up meetings between now and the end of the year? Given the nature of the calendar, Rob, there's, there's not a lot of uh, breathing space um, at present in, in terms of, you know, once we get mm-hmm. busy into the non-tab schedule and the country racing schedule, it's, it, can be, it is quite busy. Um, we haven't prom- made any promises for anyone around postponement of events with, to, as to getting an, an additional date this year. Um, so th- there, there may be some that uh, have to wait until the following year. Uh, where there's capacity and where there's a willingness from, you know, one, you know, if there is a gap in the schedule um, and there is an opportunity for a meeting, we're happy to look at those on a case-by-case basis. Also, too... There may be some clubs in some regions that um, have have 
have a volume of racing that are happy to, to look after one of their once-a-year neighbours, we're happy to have that conversation as well. Well, Simon, I think also uh, everyone just so pleased that Racing Queensland across the board's had racing continue. You almost, when you look back now, and we've, we've moved back to a complete open state, you, you sort of forget how difficult it was. It all flowed nicely. Um, but I, I think uh, on behalf of the Longreach Jockey Club, uh, we're sitting at the end of September with the annual Longreach Cup meeting, and I think it must be your turn to come and visit us uh, this year again, and, not, and, and you'll have to leave uh, Brendan Parnell behind, or, or both of you make the trip. <laughs> It might be a good one. It might be a good one to come out of isolation with. I think this year. Yeah, you've done a great job uh, yourself and the whole team down there at Racing Queensland. Simon Stout, thanks very much uh, for your time this morning, and uh, all the best in the coming weeks, and hopefully not not too many hurdles in the future. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Rob. This is the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with this morning's off-season for this 7th day of June 2020. Time to talk NRL, Scott. And it's been a... Uh well, it's been a funny sort of a round, hasn't it? Starting Thursday night. Oh, yeah, Thursday was hilarious. As a Broncos <laughs> fan, love watching it. Um, yeah, no, it has been a funny round. I think teams are starting to get their heads around the new rules, and we've got a man on the line to talk about it. Before that, I'll go through the results to date. Uh, Thursday night, the Sydney Roosters 59, the Broncos 0. Penrith Panthers 26 took care of the uh, New Zealand Warriors 0. The Melbourne Storm 22 defeated the Rabbitohs 8. The Parramatta Eels, 19, controversially over the Manly Seagulls, 16. And last night up at uh, Country Bank Stadium, the Sharks, 26, too good for the Cowboys. Good morning, Jamie Soward. Good morning, boys. Uh, big takes from the weekend this far. Uh, big takes, yeah. Geez, 59 points is a lot, isn't it? That's a big take for me uh, on Thursday night. It's, uh, it, was, it was good to see the champs you know, back playing the champs' way, but just some problems up, up north. You know, for you guys, the Brisbane Broncos fans, they've dished up that in the last couple of games. Yeah, the last five games have been beaten by 50 points twice, so uh, that's concerning. And other takeaways, Melbourne seems to be slowly getting into their groove. I think that they'll make a change you know, now with Jerome Hughes being out injured, potentially bringing Cooper Johns or Riley Jacks. And the other one was, you know, last night, Manly and Parramatta, that was overshadowed by a call. You could see them playing in a big semi-final later in the year because mm. they match up so well. But um, I, I think, unfortunately for everyone, boys, the, the talk is going to be dominated about the refereeing this weekend and, of course, the bunker and some of the calls there. So, Jamie, now the Broncos fans will be happy to talk about referees because it means we're not talking about the absolute <laughs> dire result uh, we saw Friday night. Mate, um... If I had to ask you, what what needs to be fixed at Brisbane? Because I, I think, to be fair, it's not just this year or last year. I mean, even when Wayne Bennett there, his last game against the Dragons, they lost by over 30 points. There's something going wrong. Um, something's not quite working, mate. If you were put in charge, what do you do? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, you, you look at that team the other night, and I've been on the, on the end of some hidings, you know, when I was playing, and well, after you get over the initial embarrassment, you look around the change room and your head sort of starts to go to one, one or two guys that can that are going to say something. Either you know, let's get over. Do you know what I mean? Not not mm. joking around, but they're going to be able to sort of knock it on the head pretty quickly and address it. Whereas I look at the Broncos, and unfortunately, I don't see those guys there. I don't see you know, Brady Croft only played fifty games and he was made captain. Um, mm. Yeah, they've got their aggressors coming off the bench in Matt Lodge and uh, Joe Offan Galway. They were starters last year, and the young kids are great, and they're, they're talented. And you know, we've heard about how great this young forward pack for Brisbane is, but 
means nothing if you come on and the game's 20 nil. Jamie, is expectations too high? I mean, it seems to be, when we're not talking about Brisbane, at the start of the year, no one really talked about Brisbane. Um, we almost had a rebuilding year. They won their first two. So as soon as they win their first two, everyone starts to go, well, now here's our here's our dark horse for the competition post-COVID. Is it when the expectation gets too high on Brisbane, are we expecting too much for them? They're a young side. Do we just need to temper that expectation? I had them in the top four. I had them around that sort of four, possibly five position because I thought that they've got the guy in, in Brodie Croft. And, you know, Matty Johns made a great point uh, the other night. He's, he's come from a structured system down in Melbourne, and I think he's trying to you know, include that into some of their play, but he hasn't got the players around him that like playing like that. You look at Milford the other night, you know, of course they miss Fafida, you know, um, Alex Glenn, they're going to be all important, but I just think at times, you know, the understanding of how the game's going for the Broncos is it's, it's immaturity. You know, there's times where you need to kick to a corner and there's times where you can steal momentum back by an early kick chase. And we saw that last night in the Cowboys-Sharks game. Clifford and Drinkwater put their team back into it. First two sets after half-time by kicking early and trying to turn that momentum. That's unfortunately not every half matures quickly uh, enough and sometimes it takes a bit of time. But we're seeing some real immature performances from the Broncos and... Mate, I'll move on to the Rabbitohs. They're a very proud club in the NRL, and the score doesn't probably reflect uh, as close as the game was. It got away a bit there from the end. Uh, the Rabbitohs look to be putting it together slowly. I thought Mitchell's starting to look uh, look a little bit better week by week. Definitely. I thought the Rabbitohs the other night, it was their game to lose at one stage there. They just couldn't hold the ball, and Wayne Bennett will be filthy knowing that his team beat themselves. And when you're coached by Wayne Bennett, you can get into the dressing room after a loss like that and look at it two ways. And, and the only way he would have been talking about it was, we beat ourselves tonight. You know, that, that was a really second half. You know, we, we worked so hard in the first half to defend and turn them away against the Melbourne team that was ready to be had, and we beat ourselves. And then the other one's saying, well, Melbourne start to roll on. But I think South Sydney are going to build nicely. Cody Walker will help them. They start to get him back. Yeah, Latrell Mitchell looked better the other night. I, I like the look of him at fullback. That pass was absolutely sublime. So hopefully that quietens down everyone a little bit in the media because I'm sick of talking about whether he should play centre, wing, ball boy. Um, <laughs> I care less. I just want to see him out there. Yeah. yeah, someone put up his stats online the other day, boys. 22, two-time premiership winner, two-time Origin Series winner, four Australian tests. It's not a bad and, and game, hey. ga- In his first 100 games. Yeah, yep. I would love to have done that in, in a 1,000 games. In his first 100 <laughs> games. Can't we just sit back and watch the kid play? Yeah, up there in Townsville last night, and I had the pleasure of kicking back and uh, listening oh. to your calls on 2GB. Uh, you can go to com uh, for those live streams. Now, mate, um, we've got a lot of Cowboys uh, listeners out here in our Western Districts. They did miss Tao Malolu, and I, I think they're, they're a bit shallow um, off the bench. Yeah, look, Jason Tamalolo, the, the way he carries that team is no more evident than last night. I thought the last night we saw you know, how much they actually miss him. And, and a guy I was really impressed with was Josh McGuire, who stood up. Jordan McLean, you know, he shirked his task a little bit last night, I thought. In a, in a game that they needed to win to keep their momentum going, they haven't been great. But if you want to be brutally honest, their attack is just non-existent, boys. They try and score everything in the corner. They try and come up with a big play. One of the most intriguing games, I think, this round is going to be the Raiders versus the Knights. I reckon the Raiders are now, in some ways, the form team of the competition. I mean, they like they look like the new Melbourne Storm, just that consistent effort week to week. I don't think they've got too much of a grand final hangover from last year. But the Knights, I think they're everyone's second favourite team. I think the performance they did against the Panthers very much undermanned last week. 
um, was absolutely outstanding. Can the Knights cause a bit of an upset this afternoon? Uh, no, they can't. Uh, the Raiders should... Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. The I was going to change my multi quickly. I'm going to get on the phone. <laughs> get responsibly. Uh, look, the, the Raiders, they are building something special. They are the favourites of the competition. And I know the Roosters were impressive the other night, but you know, when you've got a little bit of a bee in your bonnet, the only thing that could hold the Raiders back is if it all becomes too much. You know, they you keep digging to the well. You know, last year we should have... That, that was our title. That was our title. And if you have a bad week, and then that self-doubt starts to creep in again. George Williams, fantastic last week. If he starts to struggle and teams start to work him out, I mean, if Melbourne played Canberra again this week, I'm sure the result would be a lot closer from both teams. I think that, yeah, Melbourne would have had a chance to see him. So um, the Raiders look fantastic. Jack White, outstanding. Uh, Newcastle Knights, fantastic last week, boys. Really enjoyable to watch. And last year, I, I don't think I'd be too far off the mark. If that was the uh, Newcastle Knights last year, they lose by 50. Mm. They would have just had an excuse. They would have just turned up and got rolled. But they hung in there. They worked for each other. Texoy was fantastic. Their debutante, Chris Randall, made 70-odd tackles, which is more than I made in my career. <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was really like it wasn't the prettiest game last week, Penrith and Newcastle. But geez, it was good to just see some competitiveness from the young guys trying to cut their teeth in the NRL. So I think the Raiders get the job done this afternoon. Mate, what's coming up this week in the Sweet and Sour podcast? Uh, plenty on the Sweet and Sour podcast. We've, uh, yeah, we've, last week was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'm just having a weekend off, to be honest. I haven't prepared for it yet. Um, <laughs> I'm on the back page on Tuesday night with Tony Squires on Fox. So oh, a little bit everywhere this week. But oh, sorry for the... Uh, Lack of planning, boys. I'm just really excited for this afternoon. I've worked last night, and I'm in a little bit of a family thing where I get to uh, unwind this afternoon and ditch the kids. So, <laughs> I'm. It's, I mean, I think we all know as uh, as parents and, and older gentlemen that when you get the green light from the missus, it's a, it's an exciting preparation in the morning. So, <laughs> I'm about to have a couple of coffees now and really just get set to wind up for. Uh, Titans Tigers tonight at 6.30. We'll just, check, we'll just be looking out for that front page of the Telegraph tomorrow. Jamie Soud walking home. <laughs> hey, mate, best way to get in contact with the Sweet and Soud podcast. Yeah, Sweet and Soud podcast. Just download it, Apple iTunes and Spotify. And keep an eye out for our Moving the Chains, the NFL podcast, where you can uh, get all the, the best odds. You know, topsport.com.au looking after us. But, yeah, enjoying the podcast. Happy the footy's back. And uh, I'll be on time next week, boys. I'm just too excited about this afternoon. <laughs> Jamie Soud, thanks for your time. Thanks, boys. This is, this is the off-season. Back with today's off-season and a very good morning to wherever you're listening to us, tuning in to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network, whether it be uh, 4VL in Charleville, 4ZR Roma, 4HI in Emerald up there in Mount Isa on 4LM, 4GC, Charters Towers, 4SB, King Roy, the Hot Country Network, and we're coming out of the studios of 4LG, Longreach, Nick, and photography. Are you a good photographer? Um, no. Uh, oh, you know, it's the... Um now we've got fantastic cameras in our phone compared to the ones we used to have. Uh, it's a lot easier to get uh, good shots, but um, that's more luck in my case than anything else. <laughs> now, anybody that follows this bloke on Facebook knows he can certainly take a good shot, whether it's a greyhound or a racehorse uh, in uh, any state or any country. It's Michael McAnally joins us. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, guys. How are we? Yeah, very well, thanks. Now, mate, you've been on a bit of a stellar run of late. You've um, snagged the front uh, cover of the best bets in the back page of the Courier-Mail. Yeah, something for the balance. It's, uh, it's been a fantastic couple of months with the uh, with my images getting uh, published around Queensland and, and Australia and that with uh, 
with the Korean Mail and the best bet. So yeah, it's been great fun. Now you're pretty young, and um, obviously you've you've reached some pretty uh, great heights early on in your career as a photographer. Tell us a bit about how you got into the game. So yeah, I'm I'm only 23. Um, I've been definitely uh, born into it from from day one with uh, both my grandfather and my father being uh, photographers. So uh, going to to far places around Queensland, uh, country Queensland, photographing all the races with uh, with my grandfather and father with, with their company Three Way Photos, um, doing yeah race meetings from, from, from pretty much Ipswich all the way out to, to Roma in June, down to Gundawindi and as north as uh, Bundaberg. And you have made a cameo out here in Longreach as well? <laughs> yeah, came out for the uh, for, for a race meeting there, City to the Bush, um, Oh, probably yeah, five or six years ago now, which was great fun and uh, love it for sure. Now you do do the horses, but predominantly or also contracted to uh, Brisbane Greyhounds. And look, Greyhounds, um, I've got a soft spot in my heart for the Greyhound industry, but it's really starting to hit top gear again. I know it went through some tough times oh, six to eight years ago now, but it's definitely come out the other side um, flying. Oh, they sure have. And uh, I joined the Brisbane Greyhound Racing Club in 2016, and they just, even from now, like they've just gone from strength to strength, even last year and, and earlier this year, getting the, the gold bullion up to $250,000 to the winner. Like, that, that's just incredible prize money for, for, for a Greyhound yeah. race. And, um, you know, just seeing a different side to, like, being a thoroughbreds my whole life, uh, seeing a different side to racing with, with the Greyhounds is just incredible. Like, <laughs> They, uh, it doesn't matter if they come first or last. They're also happy to, to be on track. And <laughs> they, don't, they don't care. <laughs> they just want to run. Now, Lyle, uh, obviously I said earlier about it, we've all got fantastic cameras, much better than what we're used to in our phones and so on, but having the equipment isn't enough. What's the, uh, without giving away trade secrets, or perhaps I'm asking you a, a big question, what's the knack to photography? photographing you know horses they're in action there's a lot going on what's the knack of finding those good shots definitely like there's there's yeah there's that, that special little knack like anybody could pick up a phone as you said and and have a go and you know people say that all the time well i could probably take that well <laughs> you probably well could but there's a there's a knack to it in the fact of you one you've got to know a little bit about the the industry you're photographing whether it be yep. you know horse racing, greyhounds, football, cricket, soccer, whatever. Uh, but photographing horses, you, you know, obviously they start at one point and finish at another point. But, you you know, there's little things you can pick up in a race that, you know, uh, different milestones in jockey's career that, oh, if this jockey wins this race, he might do a salute or he might, mm. you know, or if the track's playing a bit off, they might be running down the outside. So it's you, you try to predict what's going to happen to to set your cameras up to the best, uh, best opportunity to get a best photo. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's a lot of photos that don't work out, and there's a lot of ideas that you have going around in your head that go, oh, that could work. But then on on race day they don't because race day is another beast. But, sure. uh, yeah, it's it's fun. You know, you just it's trial and error, and, and being in the right place at the right time also helps quite a lot as well. Mate, there's a famous photo of you saying Bolt, who was so far ahead in a 100-metre race, he looked right down the barrel of the photographer taking the photo. Ever had a horse do that or a jockey? <laughs> <laughs> I've had, like, obviously jockeys doing, yeah, salutes and, and stuff like that. Like, um, you know, they'll, they'll look at look across at the crowd when there's when they're sadly crowd on track. But mm. um, when, when there's crowd on track, sometimes the jockeys like to play up to, to the crowd <laughs> and stuff like that. But 
for yeah for that picture of Usain Bolt and that slow pan that um, it was an Australian photographer. His name just escapes my mind at the moment, but um, he uh, he absolutely nailed that picture. But it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, yeah, you can just. Try to predict things, but sometimes it never goes out how you uh, how you have it planned. We're talking to photographer Michael McAnally. Now, Michael, your career in your trade has taken you to the pinnacle of, of some of um, racing's events. Um, it's taken you to Kentucky and the Melbourne Cup. Can you share some of those experiences with us? Oh, I've been ultra lucky in, in the, the opportunities that I've been able to get. Um, pretty much straight out of school, I was... Well, sorry, not even, not even straight out of school. I got to photograph the, the Melbourne Cup when I was just before 18 um, in my last year of school and uh, it was it was incredible and then I, I got the opportunity to to go back the year after and, and photograph as that that as well that was when Michelle Payne won the, the Melbourne Cup so that was that was a, a massive milestone in in her career which you know made the made them that story even even better that um, yeah once once I did that it, it kind of opened the door to, to to overseas racing which got an opportunity randomly out of the blue a facebook message believe it or not uh from a from photography company in america called eclipse sportswire and uh they said hey what are you doing would you like to come over for the breeders cup in november and i was like you know me being a, a kid from from ipswich in, in queensland i had no idea about you know how i would even get to america to, to even start that and uh but yeah anyway we got on a plane and, and went over to america and that was a the year that uh, Arrogate won the won the uh, Breeders wow. Cup, who sadly passed away earlier this week, but um, that was a, a massive, massive go, massive trip over there. And I was yeah, nineteen, you know, nineteen of the age, and I couldn't even have a beer with the boys after the races <laughs> out in public where everyone went. And being the the alcohol age of twenty one over there, but um, but yeah, I've got to photograph in Dubai the last two World Cups. Uh, I've photographed in Singapore for the Singapore Turf Club. And, uh, and and yeah, America as well. So it's been uh, it's been great fun. Yeah, that's for sure. Michael, are there any other sports that you'd like to f- photograph, or has any appeal to you? I have uh, I've shot two um, NRL uh, state of origin games, which, oh, is, wow. which was a lot different. Mm. Um, that was <laughs> from about two years ago. I done uh, two and three years ago. I shot one of one of the games that was in Brisbane. So uh, one of each games in Brisbane. So that was definitely a lot of fun. It was. Once again, a lot different to horse racing and, and greyhound racing, and the fact that you know you don't know where the, the players are going to run. And I got a couple of nice shots. I think it was one of the the, the last game that uh, Jonathan Thurston played, played. So that was that was a nice you know uh, sentimental game to be there for, and uh, and that. So yeah. it was uh, it was good fun. I hope you're not um, like Josh Fleming, friend of the show, a heavy Broncos fan. <laughs> Uh, not after last night, I'm not. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that was that was crazy. Oh, wasn't it? Lucky, <laughs> no, lucky no one did pay to go and watch it. <laughs> oh, seeing cricket score was worse than that, have you? <laughs> hey, Michael, uh, thanks very much for your time this morning and uh, insight into being a professional sports photographer. No, thanks for having me, and uh, it's been great. This is the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's approaching uh, 11 bells on this 7th day of June 2020 and uh, the off-season almost done and dusted. A big thanks to all our contributors today, uh, Rob Luck and Simon Stout, as well as the great Jamie Soud and, of course, Michael McAnally and the two gentlemen in front of me. 
the beautiful, the bold, Nick Backstrom, <laughs> and the elegant Scott Parkinson, and it's time for Rate of Origin. Can I tell you, one of our best shows, I think. Acra, if you're listening, the awards are going out soon. Well, Acra's kind of a self-promotion thing, because you've got to nominate your best show. Oh, well, let's do it. I know they're not sitting around like we like think everybody is. <laughs> Gathered round? Yeah. Hey, um, Rate of Origin this week, it, can I tell you, it's been the most, the tightest poll I think we've had. Um, two great coaches in their own... Um, well, in the same sport, Craig Bellamy versus Wayne Bennett. Some would say the master and the apprentice, they've gone up against each other. Your thoughts, Watsy? Look, probably the best way to answer this question might be in 20 years because they'll probably be levelled yeah, up in, in terms of um, statistics. This is going to hurt me to say this. Really is, and it'll be the last time you ever hear me give Wayne Bennett any accolades. But I think he is the master. I do believe the game may have passed him a little bit now. You know, we saw it with the great Jack Gibson back in the day. Um, he's gone to several clubs. Mm -hmm. He's obviously the inaugural coach there at the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, won a premiership with St George. Did some good things at um, Newcastle uh, with what he had through the Tinkler time. Came back to Brisbane. I think that's when he probably should have put the cue in the rack. Yeah. But, you know, he went to and um, consulted as a New Zealand. He did, yeah. Great Britain. And won a World Cup with New Zealand. Um, he, he's done a lot for the game. Has he got a personality? No. Um, you know, would I invite him around to dinner? No. <laughs> but I think he is probably the greatest NRL coach, rugby league coach that we've seen. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concur with that. Um, I just think Craig Bellamy, his only representative coaching has been with New South Wales, and that was a failure. Mm. Um, Middle he was up against one of the best, you know, when Queensland were at their peak. But he just hasn't had the vision for the game, either as a coach or as a, you know, in terms of coaching a game or where he wants the game to go. Whereas Wayne Bennett has. He's come up with some big ideas. I mean, not necessarily the most original, but he has... Try to keep the game going somewhere new, and I don't think Craig Bellamy has. And just to add with what you said there, Nick, one of Bellamy's, I think, key factors is that he is just stuck to club football mm. and really concentrated on the Melbourne product, which is a great success story. We know that, apart from them cheating. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fair point. I mean, Wayne Bennett's premierships are locked in. They haven't been taken away. <laughs> um, I think you made you both made excellent arguments. And what's you said about if this poll was in 20 years' time, I think it could be very different. I think the answer for me is very clearly Wayne Bennett because I think he's changed the way that coaching kind of happens in the NRL. I think, you know, Wayne Bennett, I mean, we all, we all say there's no personality there, but everyone that has played for Wayne Bennett and talks about Wayne Bennett talks about the nurturer, the person who just mm. cares about the individual. And I think that's the... That's really changed in rugby league. The, the, the coach is no longer just a coach in terms of tactics. It's that man management. And I think Wayne Bennett has always got the best out of his players. And if he hasn't, he's moved them on and got players in that can fit mm. his kind of vision. I think Craig Bellamy's learned a lot from that. I have to go with Wayne Bennett. He did get 60% of the vote. Um, but Wayne Bennett, for me, until the future comes down, and, and I think you've you also nailed it, Craig Bellamy needs to be a bit more outside experience. Mm. Um, apart from club level. But as always, doesn't matter what you guys think, but I support your opinions. Wayne Bennett for me, greatest NRL coach. Scott, thanks for your time this morning. Pleasure. And Nick, as always, we'll be as back ever. across the Central West Airwaves from Monday. What's he <laughs> signing out of the off-season? Have a great week.